0: Hello, and welcome to Series 3 of the Future of Internal Communication podcast, brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication. This podcast explores the evolving role of internal communication in the future of work. I'm Jen Sproul, Chief Exec of the IOYC, and I've teamed up with Kat Barnard, who's a partner at Working the Future, and we're joined by Don Walters, our Leadership Comms Expert. And together, we host a conversation about the changing nature of internal communication. Each episode we're joined by a special guest and with so much change in the world of work in this episode we're diving into the role of internal comms in the 2020s. Is it time to rethink internal communication? Who and what is internal communication for in the COVID age? Keep listening to find out what we discussed. Hello, everybody, and welcome to series three, episode one of the future of internal communication podcast series. And today we're going to be talking about who and what is internal communication for in the COVID age. And as always, I am back with my podcast co-hosts, Dominic Walters and Catherine Barnard. And today we're thrilled to welcome our guest, Colin Archer, who has been in the internal communication profession for a number of years, Um, is also uh, someone I have had the pleasure of knowing for many years, is a fellow of the Institute, a board member, and um, brings with him a wealth of experience. So Colin, welcome to the podcast. Do you want to just kick us off and just tell the listeners a bit about, about your background in internal communication?
1: Thanks, Jen, and uh, hello, everybody. Um, Hi, Kat, and hi, Dom, as well. Um, Yeah, so I started my career a long, long time ago. Well, it feels like that, anyway. Um, And I started out in internal comms in um, utilities, and then from utilities, moved into gas exploration and production, and from there to financial services, then retail, and then latterly, and perhaps controversially as well, I've been um, working in tobacco. Um, all of which kind of has given me a kind of great um, insight into the different challenges that different audiences present to us as internal communicators. So some of those people are are obviously hard to reach, you know, the the people in gas exploration and production are out there on rigs in the North Sea and um, tobacco manufacturing, you know, you've got people on the shop floor as well. But Perhaps some of the not so obviously hard to reach as well are in the call centres who are, you know, focused on their machines and have targets in terms of uh, computer time that they've got to reach every day.
2: Well, Colin, let's start with a big question, uh, which is about the differences between internal communication and external communication. And over the years, I've heard them described as close siblings or other people have said they're distant relatives getting even more distant. So, what do you think the differences are, and I guess the similarities between the two internal and external in and the twenty twenties? See, I I always used to say
1: many years ago before I was you know more polite. I always used to say that the difference between internal communications and external communications was the truth, and um, I think I think that what's happened is that actually um, our colleagues in. A, in external communications, are finding that actually they need to tell the truth a little bit more often these days too. Um, and not just because our um, employees are also listening to that stuff outside the company, but but also because it's it's expected these days. Um, but but all joking apart, I think you know the, the big difference for me is is the audience and what we want the audience to do as, as a result of our communications. The skill sets are slightly different too. So with external communication, you're, you know, and pardon me for oversimplifying this, you're trying to get somebody to pick up your story and run with it. Um, whereas with internal communications, I think perhaps you're pushing at an open door in a lot of cases because people have a vested interest. Um, it, you know, in both cases, you know, you've got to think about what's in it for the audience, but much more internally i think you're really getting back to that stuff around well what do you want people to think feel and do as as a result of of this um and i think you know the big difference is really having to have that deep insight into your internal audience that perhaps you don't have uh, quite so much externally as well and do you think that's going to change much over the coming decade I'm not really sure. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I think to a certain extent, external communications is still trying to get people to pick up the story and the message that the organisation wants to put out there. And and to a, to a slightly different angle, internally, I think it, it's much more about understanding where those people are already and um crafting your messages according to what those people are expecting to hear uh wanting to hear and need to hear from from the organization in order that they can uh do their job really well but also feel a part of of that organization i think the other interesting aspect is culture so internally your communications really have to reflect the culture of the organisation and perhaps that might be more aspirational in some cases because obviously internal communications is a tool for shifting culture as much as anything um, in in terms of reflecting it Um, and, and I'm not sure that that is quite so much of a consideration externally other than perhaps reflecting your um, your your culture to the outside world so that people understand what kind of an organization it is but I, but i definitely think internally it, it culture is a much much bigger consideration
3: i think i think that's really really interesting i th- particularly against the backdrop of the great resignation so we track you know at working the future we're, we're continuously tracking work trends and The great resignation is kind of the response to how people feel that they were treated by their employers during successive lockdowns Um, but even before the pandemic we knew that the typical length of tenure of an employee was shortening and actually there's good reason to um suggests that that today's employees, that, that their behaviour is more akin to consumer than it is to what we traditionally perceive to be employee behaviour. Because, in my words entirely, I think the trust bond has diminished. If you look at um, the last 20 years of employee engagement data, which is collated by Gallup, You know, actually, when you look over that 20 year period, employee engagement has been as little as 13% globally and as and as much as 20% globally, which is pretty abysmal when you really think that through. And I feel that today's employees, modern workers, they need to be sold the message the story the narrative as much as um i suppose consumers or customers do and and actually should they not be sold my i'm doing my inverted commas um which i've just realized does not translate over a podcast but for those listening inverted commas if they're not sold that that narrative i wonder if the impact of the organization is worse, because there can't be much worse than carrying employees who are disengaged. And so I read somewhere, um, somebody had tried to quantify the financial cost to a business of disengagement, both in terms of the lack of productivity, but also the period. I, I think I read somewhere that it, it typically takes nine months from the point of somebody deciding that they no longer want to work for an organisation to that to the point of exit, at which point you've got kind of active disengagement and and a period of time in which a member of staff can, uh, what's the word? Can can actively demotivate those around. So there's a lot in here where I think. The nature of employment has changed that employee employer relationship has changed and actually does the work of the internal communicator in the 2020s require much more of a a kind of persistent continuous marketing and I want to say grooming, not the right word, but you know where I'm going, just a continuous nurturing of that relationship.
1: I think that's a really good point, actually. And I think that that um, perhaps is really where internal communications is is going, you know, I, I think You know, when I I think about internal communication, so often people think about the the deliverables. And for me, it's much greater than that. And it gets right into what you're talking about. It's that sense of how people really are feeling in the organization. And, you you know, there are all kinds of tools and techniques that we can use to understand how people are feeling in an organization and and to get to the heart of what we need to do. but it is that entire engagement process that internal communications needs to have an eye on um, to make sure that we are not carrying those people who are actively disengaged, and we are we are working with them. Um, I know, you know, one of my one of my heroes in terms of internal communications is Bill Quirk, and and he uses a model in his Making Connections uh, book. Um, which kind of puts people into four boxes according to um, how aware of the uh, business goals people are and how actively engaged they are with with that. And that's a really useful way of thinking about your audience. And if you can do some research into the people in your organisation to figure out where they are, then you can build strategies according to which box they might be uh, falling into. And um, he, um, I think in the, in the same book, uses a term for un, uh, unguided missiles, which is when an internal comms team just kind of lobs things into an organisation without any kind of um, uh, thinking for where they go and the impacts that they might have. and And that, I think, is really, really detrimental to those kinds of people that you're talking about there, Kat, because they they feel the impact um, and, and it's a detrimental one and it's that um, kind of, nobody's thought about how I really feel, nobody's thought about whether I believe this to be true, nobody's thought about whether this actually reflects my experience in this organisation, and here it is and I've looked at it and it might be beautifully crafted and, and, and very well intended, but actually, it's it's had that detrimental effect just because of where somebody is in terms of how they feel about the business that they're working for.
3: Mm, th- I think it's... Sorry, it's just it's like, and, and I know we've talked about this um, on this podcast with previous guests, it's as if the work has extended and we've shifted substantially away from words on a page and broadcast messaging to... Um, Focusing in on how people feel, how do we not simply craft messages to enhance a feeling of belonging, but how do we actually physically step into our role and create that sense of connection and belonging within within our organisations?
0: Mm. yeah and I was just going to say as well like for me it's it's we're kind of in the business of emotion but it, but and, and sometimes actually when you're in the business of emotion you try and suggest that as a concept as opposed to buying in or selling in something and go well has that got a business benefit I think if anything we have demonstrated being in the business of emotion um, from an internal point of view absolutely has a number of business benefits I think I think this is also this interesting point Colin and I wonder if you've got perspective on this as as we, we talked about you talked about it's about deep insight about audience understanding it's about understanding how people think and feel rather than being a channel first broadcast first mentality are, are we getting there as a profession to make that that shift as a mindset ourselves are we changing with that perception in mind do you think because I still wonder sometimes is there more we need to do to up the way we understand our audiences, and the time we give investment into understanding our audiences, whereas as opposed to going into understanding our channels. And and I wonder if you think you've seen that change, or that change is still working its way through in our profession.
1: I, um, I genuinely think that that change is only just beginning in our profession. I think that as a profession, we have Always focused on the deliverables and the channels and everything like that because they are the bedrock of what we are, um, of what we do. Um, and without them, actually, they're, they're, people will begin to ask, "Well, what is internal comms for?" Uh, but we are so much more than the people who send out the newsletter, as we used to be called, and and then the people who did the internet, and then of course it's the people who do the videos and uh, all of the other stuff these days. But it, it, it those 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 are just the tools in our toolbox we really do need to think more about this um emotional kind of journey that we want people in our in our organizations to come with us on and i think that it, it's kind of a pivotal time, Kat talked about the great resignation and, and it's a pivotal time because of that and, and because of that I also think it's an opportunity for the profession. And um, it's also a bit dangerous because if we don't grasp that opportunity, somebody else will. Um, and that might be um, our colleagues in human resources. Uh, they're being the, probably the, the most likely candidates to steal that ground from out underneath us. Um, but we are the we are the ones I think uh, across a, a business who are more connected than any other function. Internal communications I think gives you a, the fantastic privilege of being able to go practically anywhere in an organization and ask the dumb question because you know you you kind of come with no agenda really you're not part of hr you're not part of finance so people don't suspect that you're there with some other ulterior motive Um, you're there to learn and that's what allows us to better connect people across organizations in a way that no other function can so If we're not careful, I think that that opportunity about where are people on that emotional scale and and, and their desire to want to be better understood and to feel part of a greater purpose is likely to be taken, you know, perhaps by colleagues in human resources because they are the people who deal with people. Um, Communications in that world is then relegated to the Um, to the lower end of the technical skills, which is about doing the writing, doing the filming, doing the recording of the podcast and running the events and conferences. And and again, making reference to Bill Quirk, you know, he talks about the five different kind of stages um, uh, or five different kinds of roles that internal communicators can perform in an organisation. And he talks about, you know, the first three being the distributor, the the people who just make sure that stuff gets out to to colleagues. The next level is the craftsman, the person who writes the the content or or puts the content together in digital form. Um, then then, Then there's the technical advisor who helps people to navigate which choices you make. But the top two are the coach and the consultant, And those are the two kinds of roles that I think internal communications as a profession really needs to be making sure that we're stepping into. And it's not an easy place to step into because so many of our colleagues in other functions will want us to do the sending out, the writing, the do as a video kind of requests. But actually, where we add most value is when we have done that thing where we've been out in an organization and we've asked the dumb questions. And we come back and we speak to our leaders and say, did you know that this is happening here? Here's how we might resolve some of this. Did you know that these people are feeling like this here? Here's how I would suggest that we might approach that that's that's where we really add the value that's where the great resignation is our fantastic opportunity and that's where as a profession we're uniquely placed to do something
2: Mm.
1: but there is that challenge that people still want us to do all of that other stuff
3: so for me when i listen to everything that you've just said there colin what i think about and I, I I, know Dom and, and Jen and I have been talking about this for a while. And certainly when we're looking at the future of the profession with our future of work hats on, I actually perceive there being an absolute business case for expanding the role and expanding the function because, and, and, and here's the challenge, I guess, what internal communicators bring to an organization can be quite hard to qualify and quantify. And therefore, in a world that is obsessed with return on investment, it's a harder one to measure. And yet, internal communication is the glue. If you think of all the other functions within an organization as being kind of the breeze blocks, you know, internal comms is is the cement, really. It enables anything and everything to happen and i'm really interested in your references um to bill because we had him on uh one of the episodes in the last series and so again anyone that's listening today you know tune into all of the episodes because actually what we're starting to see is that there are these patterns and themes that keep re-emerging but I absolutely agree that the opportunity, the challenge and the opportunity for the profession is to step up and grab the, the the land, if you like, because if you wait, you will be given kind of the scraps from the table after the org design teams and the HR and what have you have divided everything else up. And actually you can't transactionalize communication because it is our human gift for building relationships.
2: That's the nub of that. I was just going to build on that because I've been, like Colin, been working in telecommunication for a number of years. I think I could just about say this. But often, internal communications have been their own worst enemy because we have said, why won't they take us seriously? Isn't it terrible we could do all these wonderful things? And yet, when we're presented with opportunities to say we broadly, um, we don't always step up because we start talking about communication, we start talking about channels rather than about shifts in behaviors or about organizational needs or um, strategic needs. So I think now is a fantastic opportunity for us to do this because for the first not for the first time, but the first time in a while, organizations need the sort of stuff that internal communications can give them in order to survive, because they need to attract good people, keep the ones they've got that are good, and they need to start to use people and work with people in different ways. So I just want to echo what you said. Now is the opportunity. If you're an internal communicator, now thinking, why can't I be taken more seriously? Now is the time, the climate probably won't be as good for you to do that in the near future as it is now. That was my that was me on my on my soapbox.
0: Yeah, and I was just, what I was going to say as well, John and Colin, to that point as well, was this, um, th- one of the things that I'm reflecting on is we can see all of this, this is clear opportunity, ask questions, be out there, be consultative, be all of that. But we're, today we're talking about in the COVID age, if, you know, hopefully that, so, but what, is there a fear sometimes that because of that, we become more observed in our own four walls rather than because we can't visually be connected as much and i'm thinking as well about the audiences that you talked about as well colin at the beginning about you know those working in call centers or those working in really remote locations we're not physically connecting with them anymore so i sometimes wonder worry that because of the way we're working, it's, it we as internal communicators suddenly then becoming more, I guess, insular looking rather than outward looking. Is there a way that to take the opportunity? We need to just push forward to really be out there because you can be visible, but it perhaps takes a different type of effort. And I wonder if if we if we're if we're prioritizing that.
1: I think that, I think that's a good question, and I think it's a question that we, we we all need to ask ourselves. I mean, clearly, some people will be doing it uh, better than others, and I think you're right. Being um, working from home, as we all have been doing, and, and some of us continue to do, it, it make it does make it more difficult, but at the same time, it actually makes it easier to reach um, more people in some ways, and you might not be able to reach them in the same way and make the same sort of deep personal contacts that you can when you're person to person, as it were. But um, I, I think the opportunity is is still there and it, it, it's there for us to grasp. Um, I think, you know, just to add to what you were saying, Dom, about sometimes we're our own worst enemy. I, I think we wait for permission. Um, and 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 sometimes we just need to get on and and ask the questions and and go out there into an organization and perhaps apologize afterwards if uh, if that's needed um but you know thinking about all of the stuff that has been happening the great resignation and 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 people wanting to feel something different and connected in a different way We've got the opportunity to to go out there and start asking questions of people and to to really under, understand what's going on in our businesses and our organisations. Um, for, for me, I think you're right, Kat. It is about stretching what internal communications is 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 about, and it's about culture. It's about the experience of the employee in its entirety, and internal communications cannot be the group that fixes all of the um, entire breadth of that but we can be the people who understand what's happening all the way across the breadth of the employee experience and we can be the ones that say there's a problem here it's not in my skill set to fix it but perhaps colleagues in HR you might want to look at this or I think there's a problem here and actually we can do something about this with um, with some sort of communications intervention and and I think it's I think it's having that deep insight into an organization and, and what's going on with it that allows internal communications to build on that entire experience view um, and perhaps perhaps <laughs> perhaps actually we need to think of a, of a new name for what we do because perhaps internal communications is is a bit too limiting um, and and you know maybe as a profession as well, that's that's what we focus on. And I know that, you know, here's a good example, Jen, and I'm sorry about this, um, but our awards, you know, how many of our awards in the past have been about the newsletter and the video and all of those kinds of things? Are we actually recognising the right things ourselves?
0: I think that's a fair challenge, Colin, and I think it's something as an institute you should we should be reflecting on. I think... I think we do still recognize the technical skills of our members because there's many, many people still working at a technical level. Um, but and I think we we've slowly inked, I don't know if any of years ago, there was lots of classes for very specific. Channel activities. I, I, I'd like to say there's quite a few less of those, and more on the strategic side. Now we're trying to look at what we're doing in the ESG space, in the transformation space, in the change space, in the culture space, um, and that that's the real transition. But uh, but I think it's something as IOYC and as a, and as a group we should be having a conversation with continuously to challenge ourselves to go well if this is the industry, the profession we want to help promote, you know, deliver be have capability are we therefore rewarding, recognizing and encouraging and celebrating the things that we believe are the things that, that, that stand out? But I think we also need to be really careful that we don't not then take any disservice from perhaps those that are still doing a technical level job. Um, but I think it's a fair challenge, Colin, and one we should we should we should take on board.
3: Can I just add, I think there's something so juicy in what something Colin's just said and and I know today we're talking about who is internal comms for and what is it for? But you just touched on something that triggered a light bulb for me, Colin, you talked about um, asking questions and going kind of within without the organisation and asking questions. And actually, one of the most powerful things that any of us can do um, to make ourselves useful in the future of work is ask better questions and surface the issues and challenges that we didn't actually know existed so because we're not communicating effectively within organizations you know because for instance the boardroom has up until this point traditionally thought that it has all the knowledge and and power and potential that it needs up in the kind of you know the the closed quarters it has no or little visibility of what you know, the call center handlers are experiencing on the absolute outside edges of the organization. And therefore, when you've got that um, communication gap, you're not hearing uh, about what the challenges are to the organization. That's just one example. And actually, that's a really interesting role that needs to be adopted honed, nurtured, role-modelled, all of those things is, you know, how do we communicate better to better foresee the problems that if we leave unaddressed are going to hamstring our organisations? There's something massive in there for sure.
1: I think that's right, actually. And I think that, um, you know, many organisations will wait until the... uh, annual or however regular it is, employee survey to get the data on what, what's going on. But actually, um, as I've said before, going in there and asking the question gives us the insight in between that period that the survey goes on to, to be able to say in a little bit more detail and with a little bit more colour, what's what's really going on. And, and that's the way, I think, that we are able to influence and to take the opportunity um you know we all do round tables and uh you know whatever you might call them in whichever organizations those sessions where you get a business leader together with you know eight or 10 people from whatever part of the business it is and they just have a conversation about stuff that's going on those are such a wealth of information about what people are really thinking and feeling, assuming, of course, that people are honest in them, and, and often they're not. Um, and if and if you suspect that they're not, then actually you can restructure them in a way that gets people to talk um, openly and honestly. But they are such a wealth of information, and it's taking a hold of that and doing something with it. You know, if you run enough of those sessions across an organisation and, and you you know, take part in them, either just to, and here I'll use the air quotes, take notes or whatever it happens to be, then you get an insight into what people are really thinking and feeling. And if you can collate that and put it together in a um, compelling way for, for your leadership team in whatever organisation, you can go along and say, this is what's happening Here are some suggestions that I have. Let me support you in working through what we need to do here. That's the space, I think. That's where you begin to um, work in the coaching and consultancy space. And that's where I think the role of internal comms really spreads into that, um, thinking about the entire employee experience. It's about culture and it's about experience. And and, uh, that's, I think, where this profession is developing and, and should develop into.
2: Well, Colin, let me as we come into land. Let me build on that. And and what I think cuts across all this is, who is the beneficiary most, or who are the beneficiaries of good internal communication? Um, now, some people say it should be the mouthpiece of the organization. Some pe- people say it should be uh, like a workers' cooperative, the the the, the voice of the worker. Obviously, the answer lies somewhere in between, I guess. But from your experience, uh, when you get world-class internal communication, and we know you've been involved in that, um, who are the main beneficiaries of that, and, and how? Well,
1: I, I, um, you see, I think there are two reasons that we do internal communications, and and uh, and and the the first part of this, because they are linked, the first part of this is what gets me out of a bed in in the morning, and and that is here's the story, right? I don't know many people, if I know any people, who actually are wealthy enough not to have to work for a living. And so the vast majority of us spend eight hours a day, on average, five days a week, uh, doing something so that we can live, pay the bills, do whatever. Now, if that eight hours a day is something that makes you excited, makes you feel part of a larger purpose, makes you excited for what you're doing, then that eight hours is an eight hours well spent. And and that's what internal communications can do for people. It can make them feel that they are spending eight hours of their day in a worthwhile way that they enjoy and that they feel driven by. Now, that's what makes me excited. The fact that you can make such a difference to people's lives, that's the power of our profession. You make a difference to people's lives. And the commercial element of that is that those people who are excited, engaged and feel driven, deliver better for business. And that's what it's for. And that's who it's for. Now, me, I get excited about making a difference for people's lives and it just so happens that that drives better business performance um but that's the commercial reality that's what we do it for
0: Brilliant! Thank you so much, Colin. There was the, the, I think that's almost like a perfect note to, to end on, and it goes back to the thing that we talk about. I O I C is that we matter at work, and we're in the business of people making people feel like they matter at work. It makes all that, and the thing that I've written down. There was so much in that. From we need to move towards coaching consultant. You know, we're in the business of culture and experience. We need to ask questions. We're in the business of truth. Um, and, and actually, and we have a massive opportunity that has real business need and human need. Uh, and the, for me, what I, I've written down on my notepad is, is, is a return on emotion, and that's what we're in the business of. Um, that was that was what came to my mind when listening to all of you. And, and and thank you so much, Colin, for coming along today and sharing your thoughts. And as always, to my wonderful podcast co-host, Dom and Kat, um, we hope you enjoyed it, and um, we'll hopefully he you'll listen to us again I think is the right phrase on the next episode thanks so much for listening today this episode was brought to you today by the Institute of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters we've been discussing the evolving role of internal comms in the COVID age and this episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabita or Ogunpalu And if you've enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on the channel you use to tune in. It apparently helps others know we're here. Hopefully we'll tune in and see you
1: next time.